Business is complicated, and family business can be extra complicated. And I learned more about that today with Ann Smart, the director of the Loyola Family Business Center. We discuss the implications that family businesses deal with, but really, it isn't just about family business. Any of us who deal with people, who deal with family, and work with others to achieve things are going to face the same things that Ann and I talk about in the family business dynamics. We discuss the confusion of who's wearing what hat when, the power of investing in trust building, and the three pillars that successful family businesses are built on, and much more. Regardless of the work you do and your background, I think you're going to find this conversation helpful and interesting. Thanks for joining me at Communication on Point. I'm your host, Dean Hefta. And without further ado, let's jump into my conversation I just had with Ann Smart. Ann Smart, welcome to Communication on Point. Hey, thanks for having me here, Dean. I'm really pleased to be with you. Your world is all about communication when we think about the world of family business. I mean, that's the Loyola Family Business Center is focused on the family business. And I've been in family business. I've helped family businesses. I understand that there's a lot of dynamics there. And one of the big things that are challenges for family businesses is communication. And I'm curious, from your view, why is it so challenging to have great communication in a family business? Well, the short answer is because it's full of people. (laughs) And people um, often misunderstand each other and often uh, don't listen to hear. But probably the bigger answer to that question is really that a family business is a system. It's a series of systems that overlap one another. There's the family, there's the business, uh, ownership, management, governance. All those things are different systems and they work differently. Um, The way we measure success in those systems are different. Um, And people often get mixed up about what hat they're wearing when they're talking to one another and when they're listening to one another. So that's sort of the, the big answer to that, but how it breaks down in the day-to-day as we've all seen in family businesses is, you know, uh, do we understand where the other person is coming from? Do I understand what my power or ability is to influence another? Do I understand what my role is? And do I understand what role I'm wearing right now or which one I'm sitting in when I'm communicating or talking? To somebody else. So, I mean, we could go on and on, but essentially that's where it gets sticky. Um, my experience is different than your experience. I'm often in the middle of it and I can't get above it to see or have any context um, about what the situation really looks like and what is really happening. And then, you know, if you add to that, that um, many family businesses are private as they should be, they are protective of their privacy as they should be. Uh, Children learn when they grow up in a family business not to talk about the family or not talk about the business. So often your family business ends up being sort of a closed system. And we have to really work hard uh, to find places where we can uh, normalize our experience and check with others to see if these are things that have happened to their family before. We often feel like we're terminally unique and whatever's happening in our family and our business is just happening to us. So um, that's kind of a long-winded answer to your question. Well, you you covered a lot of 
really deep, I think, important pieces there because it, it when we're experiencing a breakdown in communication, it can feel uh, unique to that moment and mm-hmm. it can feel unique to me as the individual. Like I'm sure every other business is functioning just fine and we're the only ones that are this messed up. And uh, yeah, I love the, the phrase somebody said, the only family that's normal is the one that you don't know very well. So true. <laughs> and that exposure to having connection to other family businesses or other worlds beyond our own can give us some great context. But I, I want to circle back to something you said. You said that the different systems that we're dealing with have different success measurements. Could you expand a little bit on those different systems? And what do you mean by different success measurements? Sure. Um, So in the family system, a family system is designed to raise children who have something to offer and to send them out into the world. It has a sense of permanence. It has, um, if you're going to measure a successful family, you know, the way that we would look at that is not exactly the way we would measure a business, uh, which is far less permanent. You know, from an ownership standpoint, we're looking at measures of success around, are we creating wealth? Are we creating shareholder value for the shareholders? The tendency is to be immersed in the business and then try to apply those measures, those KPIs, if you will, about performance, for example, and to somehow have that overlap into the home life. Uh, the day we start to you know, have performance evaluations for our children is probably the day we're in trouble. So those systems get mixed up and they overlap. So if I'm sitting at the dinner table talking to my children about their performance at work, that's a very challenging environment to grow up in. Um, Then dinner is not dinner and family is not necessarily fun. Everything gets focused on the business and some of the air and oxygen that really should be around a healthy family gets sucked out of the room and is redirected to the business. So if I'm experiencing that, where maybe as a leader of the family business, I find myself bringing that up at Thanksgiving, or we're sitting around the dinner table, you know, Thursday night, talking about an issue at business, how, how do I begin creating that healthy separation? Because it's, it's really hard to say, okay, it's, it's five o'clock and we, I'm not going to talk about business anymore, right? The nature of the family business has this integration to it? How do I begin creating that separation of those systems? So it's hard to establish boundaries. And depending on, you know, what uh, generation you are in business, you know, the entrepreneur, everything is about the work. And it has to be because you're growing that business. That second generation is also focused on growing the business. And often they grow it to great heights. Um, Our partners sometimes can help us establish and hold those boundaries around what is appropriate for family. Um, And people often will do better once they know better. You know, I I have an awful lot of sympathy and empathy, actually, because right now in this moment with COVID and everybody working from home, the lines are really blurry about when work ends and when it starts. And... um, I think about that in terms of a family business. If this is the thing that is, you know, the primary force in your, your life, uh, and it has been for a long time beyond your family, it's very difficult not to bring that home. So I think 
practicing and being intentional and back to communication, talking about it and, you know, asking questions like, is it okay as a family for us to discuss business at the table? And we certainly have lots of examples in our membership where, you know, the spouse may just have the hard and fast rule. Like we're not going to talk about this for this 45 minutes that we're sitting at the table together or Saturday is for the family or something like that. And, you know, we're not going to be perfect we can't do the always and never, but we can start with a shared upon intention and try to honor that. So that comes down to, are we talking about it? Are we talking about it and not being defensive about it? Are we asking questions and being curious and really hearing uh, the impact that we're having on others? It takes time. It takes intention. It takes some fortitude. So if I feel compelled to talk about it at the dinner table, could that also be viewed as a symptom that maybe I don't have another alternative? I haven't set up a space to have those conversations beyond the dinner table? Excellent point. I mean, really good point, Dean. Like, where are my people that I can check in with? Who are the people that can help normalize what's happening? Who are my co-problem solvers, if you will? And, you know, spouses play that role often, Right. The, the who is your most trusted advisor, often it is your spouse. And so I'm not saying leave the spouse out or at the door. It's just about setting the parameters up and, and talking about what those parameters are that are good for everyone. So it's, but it's a good point. And it also doesn't mean that you can't talk about business. It's just being aware of the impact of the overlap. You know, the, the flip side of that is, is when you have family situations that are so draining that they impact your performance at work. And, you know, whether you're in a family business or not, that absolutely happens. And we lived through that, right, for the last year and uh, some months with COVID. So, I mean, if I was going to say anything, I'd say let's give each other a little grace about, you know, what are we managing? And let's be intentional about how we're behaving in our homes, at our work. And then from an ownership standpoint, too, What's my responsibility as an owner? Um, whether I, if I don't work in the business and I am a shareholder, what is my responsibility to the people who are carrying the water in the business? And how do I communicate with them? And am I being respectful? And vice versa, are the managers who work in the business being open and respectful and communicative in a you know, professional way and a consistent way with the shareholders who do, do not work in the business? When you mentioned the the spouse dynamics, my observation in family business is you get some uh, range of interest from the spouse of how much they want to know. Mm-hmm. On one end, I want to know everything. I want to be involved. I want to be a part of it. You know, you can't separate them. On the other end, the spouse says, "That's your deal. I don't want to know. I don't need to know." I trust that you're going to do what needs to be done, right? So that can be two very wide-ranging interests Mm -hmm. when it comes to the spouse. What kind of conversation from a spouse standpoint is wise to have when it comes to determining or or thinking through that communication channel? So uh, it can be so tricky, right? Um, It starts with like the fiance. (laughs) Uh, It's, you know, even if there's no family business, if you didn't know it, you don't just marry that individual, you marry the family, 
And if you have this added layer of the family business, that is a responsibility that you can't run from. So if you're able to, the, you know, the, the families that I see who do this best um, are open and transparent and uh, willing to invest in the married ends, in their education, in the, about what does that mean to be part of the family business. And it doesn't mean that they're necessarily sitting at the boardroom table. It does mean that you're investing in them as the assets that they are. If we see our family as an asset to be invested in, like any other part of the business, our family will be the thing that will sustain us generation to generation. You know, oftentimes in-laws are the people who step on those landmines uh, that the rest of the family is avoiding. Uh, I always say we marry the people that we need in the family. We marry the people we need in the business sometimes. So it's tough and it's difficult. There's no always and ever. It's, you have to find your way through it. And I always go back to, are we being, are we spending our time investing in trust building activities as a family? Are we working to address conflict? Are we able to have difficult conversations? Are we able to, and if we're not, like we can learn how to do that. Many of us didn't learn how to do that but we can learn it. Um, and then we can be in charge of teaching the next generation a different pattern uh, about how they will communicate with one another. That's a good point. And that is what I heard there was the intentionality of how do I view that in-law or that person that's coming in, whether it's, whether we're in a business or not, it's the same thing. Like, do I view them as a threat mm-hmm. or do I view them as an opportunity or an asset to help our family system get stronger and, and even better than it is today. And a big part of it then for me as a leader, whatever position I'm in is how do I respond? How do I act? And what's my intent towards that person? And what's my strategy for strengthening that, improving communication, building the trust. And you mentioned trust building activities or investing in trust building. And what does investing in trust building look like? So, you know, in general, family businesses, the things that we know that correlate with successful succession are family meetings, um, boards of directors, and strategic planning. Those are really broad, right? Those are broad topics. But, you know, it's, it feels strange to apply processes to this, to the family um, that other families don't have as part of their you know, understanding about how they get together. But those are the things that support the family over time. And so we have a formula for family meetings. It's, we didn't make it up. A lot of people use it and uh, it's, it works. Uh, Annual family meetings have sort of a recipe. We spend a third on of the time that we spend uh, learning about the business or reporting out on the business, we spend a third of the time learning something for the family to, to have a better understanding of, the, of how the business works itself. And that might be anything from, you know, creating something in a manufacturing environment together or um, some other type of activity with multi-generations. So people are all being exposed. And then the final third is doing something that's fun together. Like, let's get to know each other again. Um, 
again, depending on where you are in your development, many of these families, it's just everything is going to the business. And so we forget that we're human and we have other interests. And so spending time together that's not attached to the business, but are really about getting to know one another, having some fun together, storytelling. Some people do family camps, some people do trips together, but it's planned for time uh, where we're putting some trust and time together in, you know, the proverbial emotional bank, because we'll need to draw on that during times of difficulty. Well, and, and an intentional experience like that builds bonds. Yes. And so you're creating the game basically for us to increase the likelihood that we're going to build a trusting relationship because we're having a shared experience together rather than hoping that that happens by chance right. because of some event that occurred, someone gets ill or there's an accident mm-hmm. that brings us together. We don't have to wait for illness or accident. We can do that intentionally. And that's a great formula. And actually, uh, you know, relationships happen not in a linear fashion. One of the beautiful things to see is, you know, little cousins who actually learn to play together and they get to know each other outside of the story that their parents are telling them or they tell about each other. You know, they get to know each other one-to-one when they spend time together and, you know, maybe establish friendships and then thanks to social media and um, devices, they can continue those connections beyond the family meeting. Those are the things, that's the glue that's going to hold that family together over time. Because they might be working together someday. They might be, or they may be owning together. So, mm-hmm. you know, good to know that that same kid that dunked me in the pool when I was six is going to be the CEO next year, you know, <laughs> sometime. So those, those are stories that they're building together. And the stories that we tell ourselves about our family are really powerful. So it's like scripting a different and positive story. And earlier on, you mentioned the concept of wearing hats and getting confused on what hat I'm wearing. And this is natural in any small business, family business, or maybe any business at all, but certainly becomes more pronounced in a smaller family business. What's What's something we should be thinking about if we're leading an organization, we're doing, you know, this organizational structure and we've got these roles. A, how do we know if we've got some confusion of roles or confusion of hats people are wearing? Mm -hmm. And then B, what can we do to add some clarity without feeling like we're becoming this corporate rigid structure? So a big shout out to our HR partners and HR leads who can be such huge help in role clarity. Uh, And if we use them and lean on them, they can be so helpful in establishing um, paths to success uh, for next gens who come into the business, Um, growth and development plans, assessments, uh, so that people don't get imposter syndrome, they actually understand what their strengths and weaknesses are, and they, you know, get some coaching about how they can be best those talents can be best used in the organization and that they feel good about what they have to offer. So that's around professional role clarity. I think individually um, starting from a place of willingness, you know, it's really hard to see ourselves clearly. Uh, So if I am the president CEO and I 
wore a million different hats and did a million different jobs as I grew this business. It's very difficult for me to sort of let go of control. Um, so the, the company grew, I grew it, it grew around me. Um, I may have a more difficult time understanding the weight and impact of my presence on other people. We often see this with next gens and their parents who are leaders. Uh, my colleague, Andrew Kite, always talks about standing in the shadow of the father or the mother, uh, sort of mythic presence of, you know, you, the next gen looks at the now gen who is, you know, 64 years old and has accomplished so much. And it's very difficult for them to imagine what that person was like when they were their age, when they were 32 years old or 28 years old. And for the now gen, the, the leader of the company, it's very difficult for them carrying the burden that they've carried to just turn it over to someone who they see as younger and greener. So, you know, this starting from a place of understanding that I, I'm a next gen, my job is to push and try to see change happen and I have great ideas and I wanna put them into place. And the now gen who says, wait a minute, bucko, I've already, you know, I almost lost the house. I almost lost the business. I've made these mistakes along the way you, I, I'm way more risk averse than you. The magic happens when that now gen and the next gen can have an open conversation or the now gen can say, I want you to succeed. I want you to grow. I want to use your ideas and please listen to me and understand I have knowledge that, you know, that you need to pay attention to. And the next gen can say, Rome wasn't built in a day. I have the power to influence I don't necessarily have the power to make a sea change right now. And coming to understand where each side is, walking in that other person's shoes, that's where kind of the magic happens. It's great insight because you think about these very distinct roles and, and in the background is, you know, the psychology that's running, the, the cognitive things that are going on in us and how hard it is for us to remember ourselves yep. before we knew something. Right. And so we take, here I am 64 years old, I've accumulated all of this experience, all of this knowledge. And then I compare that to where my son or granddaughter or whoever that next leader is, right. I see this huge gap. And mm -hmm. it's hard for me to remember that I didn't even know what they knew when I was at that stage. Right. And so we, we put this, and then on top of it, we have higher standards for the people that are related to us than we have mm -hmm. for people that we bring in from the outside. And so it can feel right. like this, this, double, this double standard that we're operating under, and that can create resentment and all of these issues if we don't have open communication. So it sounds like having respect for the wisdom and the experience of the people that have gotten us to where we are and, and drawing on that. And then also for that generation, recognizing if the, few, if the business is going to last beyond me, mm -hmm. I, I have to bring in who's next and, and recognize they're going to do things differently and they're going to they're gonna make some mistakes. They're going to get some black eyes. And, and the role of the other, you know, really critical uh, leaders in the company in helping sort of forge that distance I do think that the HR partner is really crucial and can make a huge difference. Also, it's a tough spot to be in. It is. Um, 
And, you know, same with the CFO um, and the COO. Those C-level positions are tough when they're non-family executives. Uh, they're trying many masters that they have <laughs> to please. Uh, so um, being able to lean on those partners to help us navigate the growth and development of not just our next gens in the business, but all the high potentials uh, that we need to identify and help move through the business. I don't care if your business is 25 employees or if it's 500 employees or, you know, 1200, doesn't matter. Those uh, are at this point in time with our age demographic shift, we really have to pay attention to who our potential new leaders are going to be and we have to invest in them. You had mentioned earlier about the family conversation in the family business and all of those things. And as, as I was thinking about that over this past year, it seems like almost anybody who found themselves in a work from home situation has begun to experience some family business dynamics. It's like mm -hmm. suddenly we're all in family <laughs> business, right? Oh, yeah. You know, the, the lines are blurred and we've got dinner that's coming up and I'm trying to finish this. And um, I'd be curious, what would you say if we take the principles from a family business? What are, what's some advice that you think spills over? to improving the health and the communication of even that family system that we don't have a business, but we're working. And, and so essentially we, we do have a business. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, I always say the neat thing about a family business is that it gives us an opportunity to identify what our family values are, you know, and our vision for our family is. And, and if you don't have a business to organize around, you still have a family. So, we can apply some of those principles. I think a weekly family meeting, while that feels onerous in, you know, it's another thing you have to add to your plate, but sort of a sacred space where everybody's doing a check-in at the same time and everyone agrees that this is an okay, okay time to do it. It doesn't have to be an hour, it doesn't have to be an agenda, but a weekly repeatable meeting is like, how'd it go this week and what's going on next week? You know, dad has a conference call all day on Tuesday and he has to have complete silence. How's everybody going to support that? Um, you know, the kids are e-learning in the basement and somebody's going off the rails. Who's going to be the person to jump in? Is it going to be mom or dad? It doesn't mean that the like complexity factor is going to lower at all. In fact, it's probably going to consistently be difficult to manage. But that ability to just say, hey, we know that once a week we're going to check in on a week that was and the week that's coming is helpful. Yeah, that's excellent. Uh, and could you share with us a little bit about the Loyola Family Business Center? Oh, I'd love to. I, um, I, I'll start by saying I love the Loyola Family Business Center. <laughs> Of course, I work there, so that's good. But actually, I love it because of our mission. So our mission is uh, to help middle market-sized family businesses successfully navigate succession in all spheres, right? Ownership, management, and family from generation to generation. And we do that in a place of community. So, you know, we're not consultants. Um, there are wonderful consultants out there that can help sort of drive you to the goals and objectives that you might identify for your family business. But uh, what we do is we offer a closed confidential community of other family businesses who are further ahead of you or maybe further behind you, or there's some parts of 
their system that is ahead or behind. And so you can actually try on someone else's solution and say, well, that worked for them. That's not going to work for us. I also know that I can talk about the things that didn't work and I can do that uh, in a place where it's never going to leave the building. So there's a huge sense of comfort about being able to have sort of a group of trusted advisors that are other family businesses. And I also appreciate the fact that we serve the whole family. There are lots of organizations that serve the leaders of the family, you know, typically the president or CEO, board members and so on. But we're really, we have something pretty much for everyone in the family. And, you know, we see this as sort of a holistic solution uh, for uh, families that are invested and willing to learn. Um, it's just so inefficient to have each person, each family reinvent the wheel. At our center, we have a library of documents that we can share. If you need an agenda for a family meeting, if you need to see what a family constitution looks like, if you know, need to see what a board evaluation looks like, really generous families have parked their documents in our library and we can share that out with one another. We redact all information, but um, so we're about 85 middle market sized family businesses, primarily from Illinois, but we have uh, members from surrounding states. No surprise, the members that are from surrounding states often are very large companies in very small communities where they appreciate sort of the anonymity of being able to um, rub shoulders with, share war stories and successes with companies that might be closer in size to them and families that might be as large as theirs are. So we've been around for 35 years and I hope that we're around another 35 more years because I think as long as we have family businesses providing such a huge economic impact um, on the US economy, in the latest research on that is something like 68% of all GDP is family businesses are responsible for that. So our support of family businesses are really a larger support for the economy and the small economies uh, and communities that those family businesses reside in. Well, it's remarkable work to be able to not only impact from an economic standpoint, the communities and the economy, but also probably even more importantly, the lives of the people in those family systems, that they can be healthier and more connected uh, because of the community that you're creating. So that's that's great work that you're doing. And I'm curious, you know, as we, as we wind down here, is there, is there a piece of advice or maybe a, a key point that you want to make sure that listeners take away or that, that they understand from a standpoint of family business communication? I'd say don't go in there alone. <laughs> uh, you know, oftentimes uh, we need to have um, an outside party sit and be present with us in establishing our objectives around communication and helping us learn how to do what you know didn't come naturally to us. So if you have an opportunity to engage in a sort of more formal communication process where you're identifying goals and objectives and family vision and so on, it's a really good idea to bring in um, an objective third party that really understands family business systems and um, can be your partner in um, helping you find some solutions. And then the other thing is uh, you're never done. So 
that's a that's the good news. You're never done. And I think it's important uh, to use a framework of affirmative inquiry where we look back and we say, these are the things that we've done right. And let's celebrate our successes. And what are our goals as we go forward? And these things are achievable if we but put our work, you know, our shoulders to it and get the work done. If we invest in the family and we invest in family communication, we will all be the better for it. And our businesses will be the better for it as well. That's great advice. And, and uh, if people want to learn more about the center or get more information on the things that we've talked about, where would you guide them? Thank you, Dean. Uh, so our website is um, luc.edu backslash F as in family, B as in business, C as in center. And we are part of the Loyola Leadership Hub housed in the School of uh, Business, the Quinlan School of Business at Loyola University of Chicago. Our location is actually the Water Tower campus. Currently, we're working remote, but um, I can be reached at ASMART, the letter A, smart, like you are also smart, at luc.edu. And um, happy to answer any emails or um, inquiries that way. Our website, by the way, has lots of forms too. If you just want to ask questions or just look at one of our events, we have a number of free ones coming up and we're happy to have you register for those. Oh, one other thing, Dean. We say our center is by families for families. And what that means is that while we appreciate advisors and partners to business, um, and sometimes have them in as subject matter experts. Our community is a closed community and that we just have family businesses in the room when we have meetings or conferences. Well, that's certainly powerful from a community and a trust standpoint for your members. So okay. thank you for that. And joining us today has been Anne Smart. She's a director at the Loyola Family Business Center. And Anne, thank you so much for sharing your insights on family business communication and the principles that whether we're in a family business or not, we can put to work in our own systems that we find ourselves in. Dean, thank you so much. It was a real pleasure. Thank you. Take care.